0: The reading this morning is from St. Luke. It's um, chapter 18, verses 9 to 17. The parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to the heaven, but beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me a sinner I tell you that this man rather than the other went home justified before God for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted people were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them when the disciples saw this they rebuked them But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you that anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning, everyone. Well, oh, it's filled out a bit since we started. When we started, there about 12 of you, I think. <laughs> Clock change obviously affected everybody. Um, I've got a story, as I often do to start with, um, which some of you may or may not. I can decide. I've got, I've got two stories, really. I'm wondering if you'll allow me the, the space to tell both stories, because I think one may relate to you and the other may not, and, you know, vice versa. So I'm going to tell them both. I've recently... Um, started going to the gym um, because, I know, pandemic, right? So um, post-pandemic, Matt and I decided we are going to get fit and healthy again. Um, Now, let me put this into context. Matt is basically, (laughs) I think I've told this before, he's like an athletic machine. I think there's nothing really, um, there's no other way to really describe that because Matt has cycled from the UK to Kenya. Have I told you that before? (laughs) No. Okay, so this is where Matt is in the story, okay. Uh, he's also run Wainwright's Coast to Coast up north in seven days. Uh, and he's also recently, his most recent achievement was, um, what was it, the Isle of Arran ultramarathon, just two days of constant running up mountains. So not really that, you know. But anyway, we've got this gym equipment that we have at home so that we don't have to both have a gym membership so we can sort of, you know, be a bit cheaper. <laughs> and then, um, and so because I'm the one that goes to the gym, because obviously I need it the most in this scenario, um, I've started to tell Matt how to use it. Okay. Now, you can imagine how uh, delicate an operation that might be, because he's, he doesn't really know. So I go to the gym, and I know, so I can tell him how to use it. And as you can see, and you heard from what he does, he probably needs the most help, right? Um, so, my confidence levels on using gym equipment are like sky high at the moment when actually i 'm the one that ends up injured <laughs> from doing it wrong right so so the reason I tell you that one well, i 'm going to tell you another one in a minute is because my confidence is in the wrong thing. My confidence is in the equipment and my knowledge of the equipment. My confidence isn 't in my ability to actually do <laughs> the exercise uh, and and perhaps other things so the other story is this: I, before I became a mum, um, we—I became a mum a little bit later than most of my friends. So I thought, got your number. I've watched you parent, and now I know how to do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have watched you. I've read books. I've had time to observe all the things that have gone wrong, and now I'm going to be great at parenting. And now I have a toddler. And toddlers, you may or may not know, uh, my friend calls them mini-dictators, which is a bit strong, but Lydia does have uh, quite a lot of control in our relationship (laughs) at times when I least expect it. Um, So again, my expectations and my my sort of reliance on myself was up here, and then I actually became a parent and was like, oh, it's quite hard to tell you can't have a snack when you're hanging off the kitchen cupboard. (laughs) And then the latch breaks, because you're hanging off it so hard, (laughs) and you... Strike gold and you hit all the snacks. Yeah, okay. That is quite difficult when you're a parent. You see, my confidence is often in the wrong things. My confidence in that scenario needs to be in God. Perhaps in the gym scenario also needs to be in God. <laughs> I've set myself as the prime uh, knowledgeable person in both those situations. But actually, I need to depend and I need to rely on God I wonder what you overestimate your abilities in. I want you to just chat to the person you've come with or someone next to you uh, or just have a think. What have you overestimated your abilities in in the past? Go. Okay, we can carry on. We've obviously got a lot. (laughs) I wonder, in relation to what you overestimate your abilities in, how much you pitch yourself as the one to rely on in your life. I'm the only one I can depend on. How often do you use the things that you do or the things that you can tick off or the rules that you know, that you abide by, as your measure of intimacy with Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look into this scripture, would you look into us? Would you read us? Would you know us? And by your Holy Spirit, would you change us? In Jesus' name. To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. This could easily read, to you who trust only in yourself and look down on everyone else, or perhaps to you who tend to lean on your own status, your own place in the world, compare yourselves to others and make yourself look great, assuming your life is sorted, Jesus told this parable. This confidence of the Pharisee is not a confidence of heart, but a confidence of position and of status. It's not a confidence of God's expectations for his life, but a confidence in the external expectations that were going on around him. And as we read, the Pharisee looked down on despised, held in contempt, those who were worthless at the edges of society. And the word that Luke uses here, that word for looks down on, despises, uh, holds contempt, is actually the same word that he uses in Luke 23 when Herod is mocking Jesus. So already we know that Jesus has said, I stand with the sinner. I am with the sinner in this moment. I'm not there with the Pharisee. And am with the one who you hold contempt for. Jesus has identified with those who we disregard because of status, lifestyle, and their sin as we compare it to our own lives. Now the story unfolds from that point and two men come to pray, which can't be that bad, right? People are praying, that's, that's a good thing. Uh, and they both come and they both have the same... Um, They both have the same movement to start with. They both separate themselves from everybody else. The Pharisee separates himself because he thinks that he is better. The the kind of uh, self-importance, in his eyes he is pure. He's set apart so he should stand away from everybody else. He comes before God boasting. His posture, selfish. He talks only... About himself. He talks only about himself in comparison to others. At no point do we see a posture where he is looking really towards God. His prayer is the prayer of one who doesn't need anyone or anything because he thinks he's already perfect. He's ticked all the boxes, the religious rules and laws. His sin isn't even on the table when he comes to pray. He thinks he's justified. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. On the other hand, the tax collector separates himself for a different reason. The tax collector keeps himself away from others because they despise who he is. They dislike him because he's corrupt. He's quite successful financially, But he's done that in corrupted ways. And people hated him. So he sets himself apart. I wonder how often we set ourselves apart because we think we're better than others. Or we set ourselves apart because we can't go into that space. Because people will know what I'm really like. The tax collector comes before God repentant. His posture, humble. His prayer is the prayer of someone who knows his sin but draws close to God even so. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And that word mercy essentially means God, make an atonement for my sin. Work on me, work on my heart because I've lost all hope that I can do it on my own. How starkly different that is to the Pharisee. Now, it might be quite easy to jump on the, oh, the Pharisee is really awful boat <laughs> and start to dismiss him as someone who thinks so highly of himself. But as we read this passage, can I just remind you, it could easily start to you. He trusts too much in your own resources and strength. For me, it would probably read to you, Sophie who has all the gear and no idea. (laughs) Up until this point in the book of Luke, the Pharisees have uh, resented and complained about sinners, about tax collectors, adulterers, prostitutes. But in this one, the, the Pharisee doesn't resent the tax collector. He's just thankful he's not him. He's just thankful he's not him. And so the layers of pride that are wrapped up here are thick and they are many. I wonder though, is Jesus really talking to the Pharisees? Yes, they are the example in his story, but there are other people listening. And so perhaps they relate. Would he aim it only at the Pharisees and then encourage those listening to do the very thing he's warning against? To judge others? To compare themselves to others? I think not. Not. And so I think this story is for the disciples as well. And if it's for the disciples, then it's for us too. And how do we know that? We know that because of the last part of our passage today. It says, people were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When Jesus saw this, he rebuked them. Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. See, the disciples have shunned the children away, and Jesus calls them back. It seems that the disciples have begun to exhibit the very behavior that Jesus is challenging the Pharisee in the story about. Excluding others because of their status. What status does a baby have? Nothing. So they can't be near their rabbi. Now a child's posture towards God is all in. Have you heard a child pray? It's not fluffed up. It doesn't. They don't spend ages praying for something. If they Liz spoke about it the other day, if they want to see healing, they just ask God to heal. God. Heal that. God, help my mum get better. They just pray it straight in. I wonder how often when we're with other people, we pray just like that. We'd probably wait. we be like, have they finished? Can I talk? I don't know. And you get that awkward bit. But what if we all just started to pray like that? One, we'd save a lot of time. (laughs) And two, it would cut right to the heart of what we need to pray. A child's posture towards Jesus is all in. It's the one that knows Jesus welcomes them in and that he identifies with them. He sees them for who they are. Have you ever seen a child ask their parents for something they want? Or perhaps they're hurt. Or just now Lydia was crying in the creche, I went in to see her and she clung on to me. It's kind of weird, but I quite like it because she does not very snuggly. So when she does get upset, (laughs) I get a good hug. Their posture, they almost want to get inside the parent. They're like, want to be so close. That's what God asks of us, to be so intimate with our Heavenly Father that we can call out everything, that we can say everything that we need. They don't wrap things up or try to break the news gently to you. They're passionate about what's in their heart and they're passionate about saying it in that moment. There is nothing before and there is nothing afterwards if a child wants something. If a child sees an injustice, that's next level. Now, we live in a society that's taught us a child should be seen and not heard. Now, I don't think we think that now. But it's going to take a lot of undoing to recognize that a kid's intimacy with Jesus is way closer than ours probably is. But perhaps the most significant and the simplest thing we need to observe from the posture of the Pharisee is that it's nothing like the prayer. The way that he prays, his posture is nothing like the prayer that Jesus teaches for previously in Luke, in Luke 11. The prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray is God-centric. It's God-focused. It looks to God and God only as your strength. Calling out who God is, his kingdom, his will, and then moving to our need for daily bread, for forgiveness, for intimacy, and even all of those things are about God and what he can provide. So perhaps that's our starting point for intimacy with Jesus. You can't read the scriptures in one chunk. You have to look at it as a whole. If we take our eyes off ourselves and look to Jesus, if we take our eyes off our own abilities, off our own skill set, off our own uh, religious ways of, if we tick this box, if I turn up to church, if I, if I serve, if I give, if I do these things, that alone will draw me close to Jesus. No, it will help, but it won't draw you into a posture of with Jesus that says, I'm all in. And we need to be all in. We need to be right there, telling Jesus, this is what we need, this is where it's at, and this is why I love you. So what posture do you have towards God today? Who do you identify with in the scriptures this morning? Is it the posture, like the Pharisee, of selfish ambition? Ticking all the boxes, but relying on ourselves. And... This isn't the goal. It's not like, oh, I'm going to pick one of these and I'm going to pick that I'll be like the Pharisee. But I just think it's important that we know that very often we fall into that trap. We're human, we're sinful, and we fall into that. But it doesn't mean that has to be where we land. Or the posture of humility, like the tax collector, who knows his sin, but it draws him closer to God anyway. Seeking and recognising the holiness of God, acknowledging that we need God's help, And then we ask God by his spirit to change our hearts. Please God, do a work in my heart. Or are you in that posture of intimacy? Like a young child who knows that they need their parent. Our posture becomes one of deep knowing. And knowing that Jesus seek that we seek Jesus above all else, no matter what's going on around us. Have you ever seen a child... Um, walk across like a, a wall and then keep going have you ever seen that they do that because they think that they are one and the same with their parent up to like one and a half or something they just keep going i can't even do it i can't even do an impression because one i'll fall, but two they just it's a complete lack of fear they just keep going across that wall and you have to be there ready to catch them that's how we need to be with jesus keep going press in Walk wholeheartedly and unashamedly with Jesus. And it's more than simplicity and innocence, because that's part of it with a child. It's more than that, it's being conscious of our need before God. What would it look like if instead of leaning on ourselves this week, we lean on God? We lean into God. Let's pray, Lord.